Hey, everybody, welcome to another edition of Spits and Suds on 105.3 The Fan. I'm Gavin Spittle, and joining us from Florida at the Board of Governors meetings, as he's covering that, is our man from EP Rinkside, as well as Shap Shots. It's Sean Shapiro. How's Florida, my friend? It's good. It's good. As we were just uh, talking uh, off camera or off off audio, I guess, off live audio before I had to delayed slightly a bit because i was behind a, a drawbridge which is always fun to see but uh it's it's a i mean right right near the beach got to it's kind of one of the in in places that i've covered and been to cover hockey to uh you stand by the beach and uh look out on the ocean it's always kind of a funny juxtaposition to be thinking about this is what you're you're talking about and writing about and everything like that in the hockey world but here we are uh looking out at the Atlantic ocean. So always, always fun, but, um, it's, it's, it's been, I flew down here Sunday. Um, they just finished up day two of the meetings right now, now, uh, about an hour, about an hour ago. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's kind of the board of governors meetings to kind of give people or listeners an idea of what it is. It's basically the annual kind of state of the league, event where you get all the decision makers from all the teams not making not the hockey decision makers not necessarily there are some gms here but in general it's more of the a lot of the business-based decisions a lot of the things that impact broadcasting a lot of things that actually impact you as a fan are talked about at these meetings um and so it's it's an interesting it's an interesting space and uh, kind of one of the it's it's the place where we learn a lot about the salary cap stuff. Obviously, um, the interesting nugget out of today is Gary Bettman today says that it's it seems like in all likelihood we probably still will have the flat cap for next year. He's hopeful that maybe we have hockey revenues go up a little bit more and and the escrow gets paid off. But it looks like right now there's still going to be. Um, only a $1 million cap raise. And that's kind of the big news nugget. And there's lots of other little things that we can talk about here and there. It's, but it's a, it's a good, it gives us a good state of the league to talk about things. And uh, it's, it's a, it's, it's a fun time, I guess. Because there was a lot of talk that it was going to raise by 4 million. And for those that don't know, the salary cap is actually based on league revenue. So Mm -hmm. it's not, this is a agreement by the owners and the players association. So this is not something where, you know, in case you were thinking to yourself, Oh my God, the owners just want to make more money. Um, This is actually, you know, an agreement. So, you know, if the revenue doesn't go up, the salary cap doesn't go out, go up. And, you know, for stars fans, we kind of want the salary cap to go up. Well, and, and it's, I mean, the other thing too, which is we're stealing, we're dealing with this, this escrow part of it where, Players and owners basically have to give the uh, the quick elevator 101 on this. Players and owners basically split hockey related revenue 50 50. But players' contracts, as we know, are determined before the season. So that's where escrow comes into play. Essentially, if you don't, if the hockey related revenue doesn't cover the uh doesn't cover all the player salaries properly where you can get a 50 50 split 50 50 split the um the players have to pay back and they owe a debt to the owners through the form of escrow and 
where this comes into play and where this has been big was obviously with COVID and seasons essentially seasons with fans essentially getting lost and playoffs rounds getting lost. Basically the players over the past couple of years have been paying back a $1.5 billion debt to the owners. And it's, I know it's crazy to think about, but basically it's through the escrow um, year one out of COVID. It was an 18% escrow. Um, it'll be 6% next year. And essentially that means for the simplest terms, imagine a million dollar salary. Um, it's really 6% of that check is actually not salary. It's going right back to the owners. And um, the escrow debt will be likely be around 70 million at the end of the season. So next year will probably be the last year of a 6% escrow. And then the year after that, we'll see the salary. We should see the salary cup, salary, salary cap go up quite a bit it's um it's a system where players if you hear players complain about escrow and everything like that it's it's a deal that they signed on for this was collectively bargained yeah and it's uh it's something where the the players and the owners uh the, the player from the players perspective and how things go it's something where just i guess internally they that's something they have to think about and for future cbas of how they look at it because they made this deal i know but maybe something that there's an annoyance at from the nhl players association but it was a deal that was worked out between the two sides so um and uh and they uh so it's 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 something that uh we all would like hockey related revenue to go up we it's important for that to ha happen for the salary cap to go up and it's important for to frankly allow teams to keep their rosters together like can you imagine like we talk about we've talked about the stars cap situation here on this show and everything like that the difference between having one million dollars additional in salary cap in the off season and potentially five million dollars is just it's that's that's a that's a huge benefit that yeah. that's something that is goes a, a long way so um to kind of give a quick just like spark notes thing just because i know i just to kind of I'll, I'll just throw a couple bullet points at you gavin and we can talk about any of yeah. these but just some things that i know that dallas fans will be interested in and stars fans uh there is the there's always been the question about the regional sports networks right and how things have been there's been uh, sinclair diamond uh, diamond sports group which owns is owned by sinclair which owns the bally sports networks and which obviously impacts the Dallas Stars they have uh they've had some financial struggles and there's been thoughts of whether the NHL might end up buying the Sinclair networks um, I know the NBA as well as also looked into that I I actually asked about it today the fact of the matter is right now the checks are still going through they're coming the Bally situation hasn't changed right now but the league is looking into they are they are that that kind of story that was out there that the league could actually buy or invest in the regional sports networks is definitely possible um the jersey ad program obviously right now the stars don't have a jersey ad but i would imagine that if they if they don't have one by the start of next season i would be stunned um honestly it's been something where with the jersey ads player leagues and team the teams and leagues basically just been kind of waiting for the right deal it's not that anyone's taken the moral oh i'm not going to put a jersey on my an ad on my sweater 
thing. It's been more of the, I'm waiting for the right deal. Um, and then the uh, digitally enhanced dashboards that we've seen. And I know that there's been some uh, definite, I've seen the pushback. I've seen people talk about it on the, uh, on social media and everything like that. And um, just to, that's not going anywhere. Gary Bettman said he's been pretty happy with it. He said they've gotten the feedback from people from in general that it's been okay. So those are just some, some quick yeah. hitter things that I know, uh, that fans would like to know. And, uh, any, I'm, I'm, I'm open to open to discuss any more of that with you if you want, but just, I figured I'd get those three nuggets out there. No, so this is can, great. Uh, this is great info. And we're yeah. We are going to talk stars. Don't worry. Yes. We're going to recap the game, but this is important. Yeah. This is the board of governors meetings. Um, I don't understand why people are complaining about the Dasher. Um, to me, you have to NASCAR the NHL. Um, this is not a league like MLB or NFL um, or even the NBA. Uh, to to increase and grow this league, um, you know, it's based on revenue. So any way that you can increase revenue, it, it's going to help the league and it's going to help the smaller markets as well as right here in Dallas. And I think that's what people need to understand. That's why it's crucial more than probably any of the four major sports to make the playoffs because that's when the gate becomes crucial. So the more gate, you know, the better off you are as a uh, a franchise. I also wanted to ask you, I know there was going to be some talk about the Ottawa sale situation. Yeah. Um, did they talk about that today? Has there been any movement in Ottawa? And one of the other things they were going to discuss was fan conduct there have been a couple incidences um in the nhl this year with different arenas as far as um items being thrown on the ice and that was a possible topic as well both of those things were discussed um first on the fan conduct there and uh they are the league did discuss that today they discussed kind of a fan conduct policy um they didn't give it out to uh, the media but that is something that they are discussing and looking at um it will be interesting to see how that's delivered to be honest i'm gonna i, I really the, the application is going to be the most interesting part to me because it's one thing to write something but it's another thing to to see how you deliver that message and and how it gets applied so that that will be kind of that's kind of an ongoing developing thing um the ottawa senator's sale and this is the space where there had been no formal bids yet, but right now there has been at least a dozen potential ownership groups that have signed um, NDAs to take a look at the the vitals, basically. Basically, if you're looking to make a sale, like make a purchase like this, um, there you're you're going to want to see every nook and cranny and little detail and everything like that. So that's why. They op- They basically are open. They've opened the books and all these other details for twelve different groups right now who have signed NDAs to to do so. And from that group is where your bidders will likely come from. And Ryan Reynolds is the name. Ryan Reynolds comes up here because Ryan Reynolds has made it pretty well known that he would like to be part of whichever ownership group owns the Ottawa Senators. Now, Ryan Reynolds is has movie star money. He doesn't, and he, and, he owes, and he owns a, he is part owner of a professional, the fourth tier, I think it's fifth tier now, yes. uh, team in the, in the UK. Yeah. Um, and he has, he has movie star money and he has own fifth tier team in the UK money, but 
NHL money, we're talking about a seven hundred fifty million to yeah. to billion dollar purchase. We're talking about it's gonna be if Ryan Reynolds is involved in the purchase, it's going to be something where he's going to be have a, a minority stake in the team and maybe even be a face of it, but he's, he sure. doesn't have the type of money to 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 buy the team himself. So the league would love for Reynolds to be involved. It's something that uh, teams in general are starting to like to have, even if it's just a little carrot, they really like having these celebrity actor type now, like in sports ownership. Like I saw today, interestingly enough, this morning it was finalized that Bill Foley, the Vegas Golden Knights owner, has bought Bournemouth in the English Premier League. And Michael B. Jordan, the actor, is a minority owner on that deal as well. And um, that's kind of the role that uh, the the role that Michael B. Jordan will play with that team is a similar role that Ryan Reynolds would probably play with the uh, would play with the Senators, where it would be something where he would be a pretty vocal face. He would be someone who, through his entertainment stuff, he'd probably see a TV series about everything. And the league is definitely certainly interested in that. Um, it's going to be, I, I would imagine that's something that we'll see more movement on after the new year. And the sen- what the Senators, in the Senators' sale will just be, uh, it's not going to impact the day-to-day for any other team, but it's always going to be, it's just like, it's just like what the Penguins sold for uh, $950 million. It's always It's just always going to be kind of a heat check of the value of where things are for the league and where it stands in the world. Yeah, and you know the biggest thing probably on that when they open the books will be the arena, and how can yes, we fix that situation? How can we get a big, new arena? How can we get it closer to actually Ottawa? That's going to be a big part of it because yeah. I don't know if anyone has ever, if any anyone here is listening, has ever been to a Senators game. There's nothing wrong. I mean, Canadian Tire Center is it's a fine arena, but yeah. the amount of when you're driving out there, the amount of times you can just look through your window and point and see like, All right, why is the arena not here or here or here or here like do you remember when like i've seen the pictures i never saw it in person but i've seen the pictures it's like gavin remember see i've seen the pictures from american Airlines center when it was first built and it was basically the middle of nowhere remember that yep absolutely like like, like, it's like that but like exponential but imagine that situation but amplified by a hundred times and with zero development around it. Like, yeah. That's what it is. It is. Yeah. Like it's, just- I, it's kind of, uh, you know, <laughs> it's kind of the Florida of the North. <laughs> yeah. I mean, sunrise at least had that mall. <laughs> that's uh, you know, has a few There's shops left, but, uh, yeah. you know, I mean, you know, I, I gotta tell you guys, you know, the Florida Panthers don't play in Miami. Ottawa senators don't play in Ottawa. And, uh, you know, prior to uh, this year, the Arizona Coyotes were not playing in the Phoenix Scottsdale area. Yeah. So, I mean, I think those three have a lot in common as far as like it's very tough sometimes to say on a Tuesday night, yeah, let's let's make the travel. I mean, you know, if you're in the NFL, it's once a week, so you can if you're in Arizona drive down to Glendale. But on a Tuesday yeah. night, Scottsdale to Glendale, it's 45 minutes to an hour. I don't know and if I- you know that will happen. And the other thing with Ottawa, too, is it's not built. Um, the Panthers, for all their attendance jokes and everything like that, they've actually done a decent job, like, turning things around a little bit. Obviously, winning games helps, too. But the other thing the Panthers have done in the past couple of years is they have 
um, marketed to the the suburbs around there. And they kind of realize that not that you don't want someone buying a ticket from Miami, but you're you gotta that's not who you're going after. You have to go after the families and everything like that. It's just like I'm sure the people at FC Dallas in in the in DFW always have this discussion of like obviously Frisco is not as far as Sunrise is from 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 Miami, but um, I would imagine FC Dallas has the same discussions of who are we supposed to market our game to sure. because we have all these people in Frisco right here, and the Panthers have done a pretty good job of kind of shifting that. The Senators have not done that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> have 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 not done that, and have not don't have the large community, a suburban community right there as well either. It's uh, it's something who. Whoever owns this team, and I, I would imagine, I would, I, if I had to bet, I would, I would bet that Ryan Reynolds ends up being part of the Senators' ownership group, just because it's something that Gary Bettman is definitely interested in, and frankly, with what Gary wants to happen in the NHL, that normally happens. Yeah. And an announcement from the NHL uh, hasn't officially been announced, I don't believe, but there will be an outdoor game. Um. Calgary Edmonton in Edmonton. So that's going to be special. Yeah. That's yeah. the Battle of Alberta is the equal of Yankees Red Sox or mm-hmm. uh, you know I mean name the rivalry and it's one of those things as a Dallas Stars fan because we play in Texas we really don't have and you know it's tough to build a rivalry hopefully you know as they continue to make playoff pushes that something can develop. Um, yeah, you know, yeah, like stars, the old days. The stars, yeah, yeah. The yeah. stars' lack of a rival is because, I mean, rivalries are built on geography yep. and playoffs. Yeah, and, absolutely. Yeah, and and the stars don't have the natural geographic setup for a real rival. Right. Um, and it's kind of with the playoffs, like there was potentially like, the closest thing the stars have had really is the. Is is with with Nashville, yep. I think, um, just from a, and that's why they played in the Winter Classic and everything like that. But in general, it's not like, it's not like someone outside of Nashville or Dallas sees Stars Predator and is like, "Ooh, I gotta watch that." Yeah, it's not like it's not it's not like it's not like I'm like if I see Battle of Alberta on TV tonight, I'm like, "Okay, I'm watching that." Like, yeah, it doesn't matter whether the teams are good or bad. I'm watching that or you're watching ducks kings even though those even even with a terrible ducks team ducks kings always has spice yep so it's like like it's 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 dallas the stars don't really have that and i frankly don't know if they ever will because it just takes such a perfect combination of playoff history plus a team being geographically closer and you never know and it's uh but it's as you said the outdoor game between edmonton and, and calgary that's great. That's that's what we should be. We should those two teams should be showcased that way. Okay. Um, that's good. So this is Spits and Suds. I'm Gavin Spittle of 105.3 The Fan. He's Sean Shapiro of EP Ringside and Shap Shots. And Sean is coming to us live from the Board of Governors uh, NHL meetings in Florida. So we wanted to talk about that. You know. Uh, pretty cool that uh, this podcast is uh, able to give you those nuggets um, that are really important to the future of the NHL and the future of some franchises and also affects your Dallas Stars. So let's get into the game last night. Um, mm-hmm. I felt 
So here's the way I kind of look at it. So against Ottawa and against Detroit, uh, I felt as though the hockey gods were on the Stars' side um, as far yeah. as picking up some late goals. And uh, I thought Detroit played really well o- over the weekend. I think they're a really good road team. Um, and I think they gave the Stars some issues. But I, I didn't think it was like lack of play from the Stars. And the Stars were able to pull off uh, two points. And Ottawa, boy, I was glad they got, you know, one point and, you know, picking up two points. So, to me, the hockey gods took one of those points away last night. I think mm-hmm. I think the Stars played well. Um, I think Ottinger played really well. Anytime you're just giving up two goals against the, the Penguins, um, you know, that's terrific. I'll take that. Uh, but they are or were going up against a red-hot goaltender in Tristan Jerry, a red-hot streaking Penguins team who, after starting off the season red-hot, went super cold. And now they're red hot again. And it was one of those things where, you know, a point was on the table. And uh, unfortunately, with about 30 uh, seconds left, um, you know, there was a scrum in front of the net and the puck came loose and Malkin was the right place at the right time. I mean, if we really, really want to get into it, I think Jason Robertson kind of lost Malkin, you know, had his stick up and kind of lost track of the puck. I think he probably could have, you know, lifted it, but. And Robertson took uh, that, that play. I went and watched that play quite a bit yeah. this morning, actually. I rewatched it. Um, Robertson's body language has taken some heat on that. But um, I actually, it's 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 been a, Rope Hints actually has Robertson all, not Robertson, has Malkin in a spot where he should not let him go on that spot to me. Like, it's something where it's like, Robertson definitely, uh, you're not you're not excusing it, but it's with with hints. You're you're also wondering why he's the one that actually has Malkin stick up on this play, and you're like, why did why did hints let him go as well? And yeah. it's just kind of, so it's kind of a and I don't know. Maybe there was a communication. Maybe hints assumed Robertson had him, or something. Something was said. I don't know. But essentially, there's it's a it's a play that it's bad luck for Jake Ottinger who makes a nice play with the poke shack. And if that puck goes a millimeter one direction or the other, it's, it's either it's, it's, it's pucks to the corner or and this game's headed to overtime. And the other thing too, that I, you see in that moment, just situational awareness, like I know you don't want to go into overtime on a penalty kill, but you take, you, you yeah. grab, you, you, you tackle like you, he's like, for lack of a better word, you tackle Absolutely. in that situation. Like you, you take, you, you take, you take the penalty to get the point. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. So. No, you, you absolutely do. And you know, I mean, most goals in the NHL, usually if you really want to hyper-focus is some kind of defensive mm-hmm. breakdown. Yeah, um, yeah. I did want to talk about the second line because that's yeah. now mm-hmm. a topic that continues to be brought up. And Ty Delandria was on that line. And I like the aspect of Ty Delandria getting that shot because I think Delandria brings a lot to the table. One thing I really like is not afraid to go into the dirty area in front of the net. I think the Stars need that. Another thing, not afraid to go into the corners, and he provides a lot of energy for that line. And I kind of like the Marchman size matched up with the Delandria energy, um, which hopefully could free up Tyler Sagan a little bit more. Um, so, you know, I kind of like what Pete DeBoer's, uh, trying there. Um, I wanted to get your thoughts on Delandria there. And then, 
you know, I, I feel bad if I keep bringing up Radic Foxa. <laughs> um, but, you know, yeah. I mean, last night it wasn't just Foxa, but three of those penalties in which I watched were just simply one-handed swipes with your stick, which caused, you know, slashes. Um, and to me, it's like those are those are the unnecessary penalties. One led to a goal, but those are the unnecessary penalties that kind of kills your momentum. I get that, you know, if you're if you're trying to catch up to the person and you're trying to skate parallel, but at the same time, you know, a reach out with the stick could be just as effective. Um, you know, so those are the only things if I'm nitpicking, but overall I thought, you know, it was a good effort against a Stanley Cup contender. They absolutely are a Stanley Cup contender in Pittsburgh. Oh, yeah, they're this and they've been pushing um I mean I, I don't know how many people realize too. Like you watched a guy play last night who had a stroke two weeks ago. Yeah, that is absolutely amazing. And I apologize but, for not bringing that up. And he really is overshadowed but, by Malkinen and uh, Crosby. Yeah, I mean he's had a tremendous career, and he continues to be so efficient and has kind of denied, defied an aging curve. Like that Pittsburgh team is—they're good. <laughs> yeah, like they're—they're they're just good. Um, and Dallas, like to get to to your question, um, I think Ty Del- you want to keep elevating Ty Delandria to find out what Ty Delandria's ceiling really is. Cause I don't know what um, Ty Delandria's ceiling really is. I'd like to like, I, I think, is he, is he a top six second line center? Um, is he just a middle? Is is he just kind of more of that middle of the lineup guy who gets elevated when there's a size injury? Like I, I want to know the answer to that. And I, I like that. We're trying to kind of figure out, and learn that on the fly right now. Um, so I like that. I, I definitely, I, I like seeing Delandry get that opportunity. I'd like to see him grab it and build on it. I'd like to see a little bit more of what he's going to be in the long term because as you, you brought up Foxa, like that's Fox is a perfect, it's fitting actually because it's Fox is a perfect example to talk about where you bring in a first round pick and what, what are they? And Foxa, we've learned, is essentially he's a he's actually been a good penalty killer this year. We got to give him yeah, credit no, that. absolutely, yeah, he yeah, is yeah, a good yeah, penalty yeah, killer. Yeah, 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 but like, but at five on five, he's been he's been he's been bad. Yeah, like um, it's uh, so, but Fox, I want to find out what Ty Delandria is before it gets to the spot where I'm signing him to three point two five million dollar per year contracts. Like that to me is like, I think Fox, it's, it's actually really a great thing that you brought them two up in the same sentence because Fox is the cautionary tale that you need to figure out what Delandria is now before you pay him to be something he's not. And I think that is, that, that is kind of the lesson from what happened with Fox uh, to bring it up to, to, as, as we connect this to Delandria. So well done on that, on, on to tee that up for me, Gavin. Well <laughs> done. All right, let's start. Let's talk about Riley Tuff. Um, should we call him Tufty or Tuff? It's Tufty. Tufty. Riley yeah. Tufty. Um, it's been an interesting career as far as being in the Dallas Stars organization. Uh, a number one draft pick who has not panned out, um, who the Stars waived, uh, and he cleared waivers. So he went and played for the Texas Stars and has actually been playing really well. Got the call up and uh, wanted to get your thoughts whether or not he would break the lineup. My only thing is... 
I kind of like the players in the lineup right now. I don't think this is the proper time to sit a Dennis Gurionov. I think we've seen three of the best games of Gurionov this year. Uh, blocked a shot last night, uh, playing better defensively. I'm not saying he's great defensively. I'm just saying there have been improvements in the last three games. Uh, so then you look at, all right, who do you sit? Do you sit Kiviranta? I don't think you can sit Kiviranta. As you mentioned, Fox on the power play. So to me, Tufty's just their uh, you know, insurance policy on this trip. Thoughts? I I agree with that. That's That's why he's there. I mean, he's not... I don't see any reason to pull anyone out of the lineup or make any changes. Um, but when you go on a road trip like you do, and you have a back-to-back, and every, you need another body. You need another body. You need another person there, um, especially when. So I, yeah, it's that's why Riley Tufty's there. He may not play. I mean, it's just like there was earlier in the season where there's times where Matty Blumel got called up and then didn't actually play. Um, I think it was uh, Frederick. Uh, was it Carl's? Was it uh, Frederick Carlson? I think who got called up and who was up and didn't play. Yes. Like, yeah. I, like it's like I think this is going to be unless uh, unless there's an injury or someone has a pretty egregious uh, failure of playing. I, I don't think Tufty gets into the lineup. Now it's hockey; people get hurt. He could play, but I, I I don't like I don't. The plan right now is not to play Tufty. Yeah. And. I think it's a pretty good indicator of what Tufty's done that he he was the one that got the call up this time. That's good. And I would like to see Tufty become in the future. Like I would like to see when you rebuild this when you build the stars roster in the future, I would like to see Luke the Luke Lindennings of the world replaced by Riley Tufty. Like that's what I would like to see in the future. Now, I'm not saying I want Luke Lindenning taken out of the lineup right now, but I just think, and that's the future plan, I think. And right now, Tufty to me is essentially, uh, I wouldn't even call him a 4A player, like, because he's not, but he's uh, he's just kind of a complimentary piece that you have. And the fact you waved him earlier this season, the fact you moved around some things like that, I don't think the stars are also overly worried about him becoming, I think internally the fact of how much some other draft picks have panned out, they're not kicking themselves to try to force him to work, which may be the best thing for both sides actually. Yeah. And I wanted to bring this up as, as we end Um, New Jersey tonight, kudos Mm -hmm. to Lindy Ruff. Uh, Boy, they're fast. They're energetic. They're young. Um, I'm happy. Um, because I like Lindy Ruff. I love his personality. And uh, I think it's great for hockey that, you know, New Jersey has a competitive team. Uh, I love it when, you know, you got the Isles playing well, you have the Rangers playing well, you have Jersey playing well. That's a, that's a nice threesome right there in a small pocket and wish the Flyers were a little bit better. Um, So it's going to be an interesting game and, you know, it's, uh, you know, it'll be it'll be fascinating to see how the stars can slow them down, but at the same time maintain their pace because I think they're best when you know they're moving the puck. And uh, so I'm interested to see how Lindy um, plays against the Dallas Stars if they'll try because you know it seems as though there's a trend as though teams uh, Ottawa did a nice job of it. I noticed Detroit's doing it where 
you know, it looks as though the game plan against the Stars is do not let them carry it into the zone. Meet them early and just try to slow them down. Make them dump the puck. Yeah, I, I think this one is, I'm, I'm hoping, actually, that this game is wide open. I think that would be fun. I'm hoping for a, uh, I'm hoping for like a 5-4 game, something like that. Like, I think that would be, I think that would be kind of yeah. a good way for things to play out and um i think if you're dallas you play your game because the one thing new jersey has done well this year having watched them quite a bit and done that is they have not overly um adjusted their game to the opponent and that's a good thing they've 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 gone and said hey this is how we play we're good you have to beat us. We're not going to let your style beat us. And that's what you're going to get with New Jersey. New Jersey's not going to change who they are. And I think that's good. And I think that's something that we've talked about with Dallas before, where a couple times the Stars team has been pulled into playing a different style by a Winnipeg and stuff like that. And New Jersey's not going to try to pull them into that type of style. But I think the New Jersey's success this season is a good lesson and a good reminder that if you're good at something, you should do it. And sometimes you're overly playing your own cards on something when maybe the simplest thing is just to go out and do what you know. Yeah, absolutely. And I wanted to give out a shout out on a positive note. Um, similar to NHL referees, when they're not mentioned, that means they call the good game. And yeah. or defensive back, you're not calling them their name in football. I think Colin Miller has been a really good signing by the Stars. And kudos to Jim Mill, because when it happened, it was a little bit fly under the radar and it was like, okay, you know, but I mean, he's, he's done a really, really nice job and he was great for Vegas, you know, didn't necessarily have the production in Buffalo. So, you know, when he was signed by the stars to a two year deal, it's like, okay, that's some, you know, D line depth, but I just think he's been incredibly solid for this blue line. Yeah. No, he's been good. I really, I've, I've liked the signing, the way he moves, the way he's been, sound at every part of his game like he deserves it's it's been a good signing so spot on there with that thank you my friend and uh when do you head home i uh will fly back tomorrow i'm gonna go watch uh tonight i'm gonna i've got the rental car i'm gonna drive down to go watch the floor go watch florida and columbus play tonight gonna go see those two teams obviously uh one team that is not good and one team that is trying to be better. So interested to go, I'll go watch that game tonight and then I'll probably uh, queue up the stars game tape and watch it on the flight home tomorrow morning. Nice. Is this the Sean Shapiro Dallas stars secret scouting of Gustav Nyquist tonight? You never know. know. (laughs) Keep that name in mind, Stars fans. (laughs) You've been listening to Spits and Suds. Thank you so much for listening on uh, this edition. And uh, Sean will rejoin us on Friday. Safe trip home, my friend, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, man. It's always fun. Have a great day, everyone.